Are you an accredited investor looking for a new opportunity to generate passive income and build the retirement of your dreams? Then elevate your investment game with Viking Capital, where wealth meets wisdom. Whether you're a seasoned investor or just starting out, Viking Capital can help guide you towards financial freedom through passive real estate investing. With strong and transparent underwriting, Viking identifies low-risk opportunities with the goal of preserving investor capital and maximizing long-term growth potential. And their accessible and responsive investor relations team will help you understand how each investment will impact your unique financial goals. With $800 million in assets acquired, more than $230 million in equity raised, and more than 5,000 units under management, Viking Capital is your path to early retirement. To learn about Viking Capital's latest investment opportunity, which is available for you right now, visit go.vikingcapllc.com forward slash best. That's go.vikingcapllc.com forward slash best to get started today. Did you know that within a decade, women will hold $30 trillion in investable assets? Yet somehow, only 19% of women reported feeling confident in selecting investments that align with their long-term goals. Our friends at InvestHer are out to change that. InvestHerCon is the number one premier conference for women in real estate, and it's happening June 2nd through the 4th in Austin, Texas. InvestHerCon is not just another real estate conference. It's a transformational experience focused on real estate investing, business strategies, and self-care tactics all designed to help women take control of their financial futures. Gain the knowledge and skills you need to grow your portfolio and build a sustainable business, all while connecting with over 500 women who are playing at the same level. To learn more and to get your tickets, visit InvestHerCon.com today and use the code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. That's InvestHer, H-E-R, Con.com, Promo code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. Quick disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action. For more information, go to bestevershow.com. One of the things I learned really, really on in my career from one of my very first mentors was... The next deal is just right around the corner. Welcome to the Best Ever Show, the world's longest running daily commercial real estate podcast. Our hosts interview commercial real estate experts every day to get you the best advice ever with none of the fluffy stuff. Hello, Best Ever listeners. Welcome to the Best Real Estate Investing Advice Ever Show. I'm Ash Patel and I'm with today's guest, Jimmy Edwards. Jimmy is joining us from Dallas, Texas. He is the owner of High Five Multifamily that acquires and manages class B and C multifamily properties. He's been a previous guest on our show. So if you Google Joe Fairless and Jimmy Edwards, his episodes will pop up. Jimmy's portfolio consists of over 500 units, and he has gone full cycle on over 100 single family rentals. Jimmy, thank you for joining us. And how are you today? Man, I'm good. Thanks for having me back. Thank you for coming back. Hey, Jimmy, yeah. before we get started, can you give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and what you're focused on now? Absolutely. I've been in real estate pretty much the past 15 years. Career started as a real estate agent and then a mortgage broker and then flipping houses. And then now we've been doing apartments full time for about the past five years. So just kind of been trying to scale every step of the way. You hit some pain points and you grow and you look back and you're like, oh man, this all has rounded me to a well-rounded real estate investor. 
Jimmy, let's talk about scaling. A sure. hundred single family homes, and these weren't flips, they were rehabs. I mean, you went yeah. in there and turned them around. Yeah, the majority of them were distressed sellers. I started buying in, in 2011, and the bulk was 13 to 17. I think 2016, we did 60 transactions. And we probably flipped five houses, keep one as a rental, flip five houses, keep one as a rental. So we're kind of scaling two businesses at once. And we had a lot of success with call them inheritance deals, pre-probate. I was really just able to connect good with those sellers. And it wasn't always about the money. And I got really good at listening. What problem am I trying to solve here? Because it's not always the bottom line. And we'd buy these houses on a win-win and we'd fix them up and they'd come back in. And sometimes it was the granddaughter or the daughter that she grew up in this house and her mom passed and just seeing this thing come to light again, I think was pretty special. So Jimmy, let's talk about your pain points and what yep. you did to scale in that business. Because I'm sure at so, some point you were inundated and yeah. at your wits end, not enough hours in the day. So give me a pain point. And along with that pain point, give me the mindset. What were you thinking? And then how did you solve that problem in scale? Sure. I think really when you're doing volume, how are you going to scale that business? And so we looked at, we have all this volume. Do we want to do more volume? Do we got to hire more crews? And instead we kind of looked at it and said, Hey, how can we make more money and do less? So we did less volume, bigger margins. So we went from 60 deals to 20 or 30. And then at that same point, you're looking again, and this was 2017. So I was thinking, hey, man, I think everybody kind of was, we might be near the next recession. So how do I scale this business? Do I do bigger houses now with more risk? Do I do new construction? And we had a property that kind of ended up over budget on, and there was a bunch of flips rehabs that came to the market in the same weekend in this little subdivision. And it got real competitive trying to sell and we kind of stuck it out and we ended up losing some money on that deal. And it was towards the end of the year when we were digging into our year end numbers and forward looking on the next year goals. And I was probably listening to a podcast or something and learned about apartments and then just boom, just super explosion of the brain because what really will eat up your costs on single family rehabs is your holding costs. So I learned in apartments, you can flip an apartment building, 10 units, 100 units, 400 units, while the tenants are paying your expenses. So along with forced depreciation, we learned a big lesson and it pushed us into the next category. Why did you lose money on that one deal? The hard money loan was super expensive. And also we had to redo the entire plumbing line, which we would have probably been fine on both of those things. But we had to hold it for longer than normal and we ran into additional expenses we didn't account for. So now we budget for both. Make sure you have extra money and make sure you got plenty of time. Okay. So the way you scaled that business was by chasing higher margin deals and not taking some of the easier deals, not easier, not taking the deals that require a lot of time with low right. returns. Right. Okay. So in 2016, that was how we grew. I'm going to do more lower margin deals to keep my guys busy. And that ended up keeping us really busy. So then I said, okay, now how can we improve this? And it was exactly that. Bigger margins, less deals. And we kept our guys still busy. That's interesting because a lot of people have that dilemma. They'll do pet projects just to keep their crews busy. So interesting perspective. Yeah. Now, translating that into multifamily, 
there's a lot of people that are doing deals to keep their syndication machines moving. And a lot of people have staff. They have management staff, operational staff, got to keep them employed. So is it hard not chasing deals that don't have the returns that you're hoping for? How do you apply that to multifamily? Because the returns are naturally lower because there's more competition in that market. Yeah, absolutely. We're ramping up. We're going to be net sellers in 2023. I think there's going to be buying opportunities in quarter one, quarter two. I think at some point, everybody's going to jump back in the market. So I think there's going to be a, a short window, but we're net buyers probably for the next three to five years. We've sold most of our stuff and we sold several deals this past summer. We had a couple in contract to buy, but I didn't think rates were going to go up as quick and as fast and as high as they did. So we ran out of some runway on some of those, but we ended up being net sellers. We got cash in the bank, a lot of dry powder. So now it's just like you said, kind of the same thing. We kind of have a clean slate. Let's refocus on what our core fundamentals are as a company, what kind of deals we're going to go after that are going to excel over the next three, five, seven years and just try to feed the machine again. So to answer your question, I'd rather not buy a deal than a deal that's not a good deal. And that's a lot. We have investors all the time. When's the next one? When's the next one? And it's like, I'm not finding anything right now that meets it. But again, like you said, as you build the machine and you scale, it's actually easier to find deals because you already have plug and play. Where are you looking for deals? We're in Texas. We're in Dallas. We've bought in quite a few different areas in Texas, but right now we're focused on DFW down to San Antonio. So I'm pretty bullish on the I-35 corridor in between coming from North Dallas all the way down to San Antonio. I grew up in Austin. I drive back there a couple times a quarter. And I think it's just at some point between Dallas and San Antonio is going to all merge into one big giant metropolitan area. That's just my gut feeling. I love Houston, but there's so much opportunity here. We're just focused on Dallas and down to San Antonio. Jimmy, do you get your deals from brokers or do you try to source them yourself? <laughs> a little bit of both. I think really building the relationships with the brokers and I've learned this over the past 10, 15 years is I do what I say I'm going to do unless there's circumstances that are out of everyone's control, be easy to work with, pick up the phone. So we've built all these relationships with brokers where we're fun to work with. We try to do what we say we're going to do. But then really after you kind of build those relationships, you get those phone calls, people know what you want. I'm constantly reaching out and saying, hey, my buy box is evolving. Here's what I'm looking for in this quarter. And, and then eventually lenders, they know you got the strength and then management companies too. Right? So right now I'm thinking that as we move into 2023, really the people you want to make sure that you're touching and that you have strong relationships with is the lenders. Cause they're probably ones getting the first call. Hey, my loan's coming due. I need a refi. Well, the refi is not looking good. And so those guys usually have the first look. I would think. So it's all relationships. We even get calls on leads from vendors, roofers, anybody really, but just letting people know you're a buyer and having integrity, I think is huge. What are you seeing for cap rates in cash on cash returns on deals in the DFW area? I think that historically over the past five years, cap rates started to compress between the asset classes and there'd be a 75 point basis point spread between A and C. So I think a lot of people were moving up in asset classes. We're starting to see, I think, them actually spread between C and B 
and even a little bit between B and A, I think you're going to have these higher returns on the harder deals, at least for the short future. I think historically in 2021, cap rates were plus or minus 4%, depending on the deal and the area and all of the things, but even some A deals down to three and a quarter. But I'm starting to see more C-class deals coming up over five, up to six. And those deals are still kind of making sense. So you got to kind of shift your mindset. I was going from C to B and trying to get to A because it was less risk and the same returns. But now it's like, okay, well, do I want to get back into more risky stuff and make some more money? Yeah. What are you seeing for debt today? Most of the deals that I'm working on is bank relationships. And we've had to build new ones. We had a five-year relationship bank that their metrics changed. And, you know, it's, it's, it's tough, man, because the banks want to give you money when the economy's good. And then when it sucks, they turn your back on you like they never knew you in the first place. So we're building new relationships right now. We've got a small bank, you know, and they're really excited about lending to us. But there's a time and place for bridge loans. But towards the end of the cycle, I was kind of conservative because Look, I was a mortgage broker in 2009 to 2012. So I really felt the scenario of being careful. We're in a different position now, but I think agency is going to get more competitive. And I like bank loans. I'm okay doing a recourse bank loan because it'll give me seven to nine years rather than a three-year bridge deal that sometimes you end up with a kneecap lender and they don't want to get through it with you. They want to take the deal back. So leverage has decreased. You're Probably looking at 65%. Rates are seven plus. We'll get back to the show with the first some sponsors I'm confident you'll find value in learning more about. Are you a real estate investor looking to break into the multifamily investing space? Have you heard of MFIN Con happening in Charlotte, North Carolina, June 12th through the 14th? The Multifamily Investor Nation Convention is a place to learn from over 60 high-level apartment investors while networking with more than 700 additional investors. If that's not enough for you, A-Rod, yep, Alex Rodriguez, 12-time Major League Baseball All-Star with over $700 million of commercial real estate assets, will be live and in person speaking at the event. Also speaking is the one and only Dr. Robert Cialdini, the godfather of influence and the award-winning author. I personally love his books. So be sure to secure your tickets to this live in-person event before they're gone. Go to MFINCON.com for more details. Sponsorship opportunities are also available. Visit MFINCON.com today. Use the promo code BESTEVER to get $200 off your tickets. That's MFINCON.com. When you say seven to nine years, is that seven to nine years with a rate lock? So I think it just depends on the deal and the business plan, but the deal we're looking at right now, I believe it's actually a 10-year loan with a five-year rate that's fixed. And I feel good about that because I don't think in five years, rates are going to be higher than they are today. And you never know how long a recession could impact you, but I've never wanted to get caught holding a hot potato, so to speak. So 10 years is probably more than we need. I get that. The interest rate is fixed for five years. Right. What happens at the five-year mark? Does it go to market? Correct. Okay. Yeah. Market plus spread. So if it's 100 basis points over market, then it'll just off of really, prime. It's a, Wall Street five, it's a five-year loan. Yeah. Amortized over 25 years? Correct. Okay. And interest only at all on this or no? 18 months, I believe. Okay. And your rate is set at the inception of the loan. Correct. And I'm glad we talked about this. It's so important. I always advocate 
for people to have three lenders. And I'm an advocate of making your lenders your business partners. I'm not a fan of using mortgage brokers because you get XYZ Bank in Omaha, Nebraska that is just hungry that day, literally that day. They have to get a deal done to meet their goals or whatever. And you don't end up building relationships. So in the non-residential world, we've always relied on the smaller banks and had long-term relationships with. We just closed on a co-working space in Atlanta, Georgia. The bank that we had used forever was giving us 15% down payments and were very competitive on interest rates. Well, now they passed this down from the top where all office space is 25% down. They did us a favor and brought it down to 20%, but the cash on cash returns on this deal are 40% at purchase because we're buying a business as well, not just a real estate. But had we known that this was going to be the terms, we would have shopped that around. We became complacent because we had these lenders that always did the deals. They gave us great rates, great terms. We got caught. That's exactly what happened to us this summer. We've been working with the same bank and then they pulled the rug out from under us. So now the brokers that I'm working with are local. And so they're able to shop to these local banks. And then we met at the property on one last week or the week before. And I got excited because the banker said exactly that. He's like, look, man, you guys are local. Y'all been doing it. You're going to do it for a while. We want to build something with you. And I'm like, okay, awesome. So you're exactly right. It's good to have a vehicle for every different situation, which could be a couple different banks at all times. Yeah. And Jimmy, a lot of people think that shopping out banks when you have a good relationship is like cheating on your banker. It's really (laughs) not. A good competitive banker should be happy that you're shopping it around. And if any of them give you a hard time, that's not on you. That's on them. Right. Right. I mean, everyone's here to do the best they can for their business. So your banker, they should know that there's other lenders involved in this transaction. So sharpen your pencil when you come to the table. Absolutely. And if you're building those relationships, one of my guys, we've been doing deals for 10 years. We did all the single family stuff and we're trying to get some multifamily stuff done. And I'll talk to him and I'm like, hey, Jason, here's what I'm working on. What are you looking at? He's like, here's what I think I could be. Is that competitive? And I'm like, "Eh, plus or minus. But his response has always been, dude, I want the deal that's best for you. And the guys that react the opposite way, they cuss you out, then it's probably good that that happened because you move on to different relationships, right? So it's just part of it. Yeah, but at the same time, don't get emotional, right? Right. Uh, I had brokers that we got into a giant pissing contest on on text with a lot of people, right? Right. Bombs were dropped. but. It was just two people that were fired up. We're yep. on the same side. We're literally on the same team, right? Yep. He's, yep. he's our broker. But things got heated. And then the next day, we're sending emails back and forth like it's nothing. It's truly nothing, right? It was in yep. the moment. But then take the emotion out of it. Focus on your business. Focus on your goals. And if you have a banker that gets really upset, don't dismiss them on future deals. Just Take the emotion out of it. And I know it's hard to do a lot of times. Me especially, man. I'm a you know hothead from Jersey. Uh, <laughs> but I'm telling you, 47 years old, and I wish I knew that earlier. So it's okay to Good get emotional. So it's okay to get heated. But then take the emotion out of the equation and get back to work. So yeah, if you have a lender that cries and moans that they didn't get this deal and 
They did all this work. They did all the underwriting. Guess what? They're going to work harder on the next deal, knowing that they already lost one. They don't want two L's on their record. So they'll fight harder, man. But 100. Yep. Yeah. It's a tough lesson to learn, or at least it was for me. Hopefully sure. best ever listeners are a little bit more savvy than I was, but <laughs> yeah, leverage all of your resources and always have three lenders because at some point you're going to get caught with your pants down. We both did. So what's the hardest lesson you've learned, whether it's about people, deals, brokers, you've been at this, what, 20 years, 15 years, 15 years, 15 almost, years. Yeah. Think down and what's a hard lesson that you learned? that maybe you got your teeth kicked in on a deal or were really disappointed. Give me something deep. Yeah, there's a lot of lessons in a broad spectrum, time blocking and walking away instead of just bop, 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 which is what I've used to get through my first part of the career. And then now I'm a little more methodical, but the biggest humbling moment was this summer. We had a deal under contract and the lender retraded us upwards of 3%. And we had a lot of hard money on the deal and it was a really good deal. And we locked it up in, in February and it was actually 1031. Our buyer fell out. So that deal started over, which was a chain reaction on this deal. And at the end of the day, the partners got together and ultimately made the decision to walk away from the deal because the seller didn't want to really work with us. And there was a lot of hard money that we walked away from, but really... What I took out of that, and as we were talking with our partners, was over the past 10 years, we've taken a lot of risk and we've won and we've won and we've won and we've won. And if we made X millions of dollars minus one hard money deposit when the market changed overnight, don't get down on it because you made a good business decision and now you're prepared to go after more deals. So sometimes it's hard to take an L, but if you look at the entire season, and you're a winning team, then that's kind of how I tried to look at it. And it was hard at first, but I had some mentors that made me shift my mindset. So Jimmy, th yeah, thanks for sharing that, man. Yeah. And I think over the last 10 years, it's been relatively easy to make money, right? Now right. that we've got some economic headwinds coming at us, things are going to get challenging. And for the best ever listeners that have only had wins, I think it's important to know that there's times that you're going to lose. Listen, Everybody that's successful, you know this, people that have been in this business over 10 years, we've all taken hits, right? And yep. it sucks, man, because yep. you, know, you go on this run where you think everything you touch is going to turn to gold, but nobody can touch you and you're <laughs> killing it, right? And yep. all of a sudden, you're in a position like you were, where not only were you going to lose your 1031 money and pay taxes on that, but you're going to lose your earnest money. And it would have been easy just to brainstorm and try to figure out a way to get this done it had to have been a very hard decision to walk away from that. But best okay. ever listeners, if you're in that scenario, you've got to make an informed decision. And like what Jimmy did here, get mentors, bounce this off of people. Because when you're in your hyper-focused bubble and your only goal is to get this deal done, get that 1031 money transferred over, get the investors in on the deal and hit the closing table, you have blinders on and it's hard to see other avenues and maybe walking away is the right thing to do. And like you said, put it in perspective. You've had so many wins. Yeah. Okay. Big deal. You know, it's par for the course. Take a couple mm -hmm. of hits here and there. Thanks for sharing that. That's, that's an yeah. important lesson. Yeah. Jimmy, what's your best real estate investing advice ever? Don't make emotional decisions. You look at everything methodically, but you also don't want to get analysis paralysis. 
So I think over time, your gut starts to kick in and you start to say, this is a good deal. But then there's also times where you're like, you know, this kind of feels like a red flag. It's like the death by a thousand paper cuts where it's like all the signs are trying to tell me this is something we shouldn't pursue. And one of the things I learned really, really on in my career is from one of my very first mentors was the next deal is just right around the corner. And that's really been my saving grace is like, I want to do a deal. I want to do a deal, but let's pass on this one. Or we hit obstacles here and kind of in my sales career was the same, right? You go through a whole day of a bunch of garbage leads, you know, the next day is going to be full of good leads, right? So it's just kind of the same thing. Just keep positive and stay optimistic that you don't want to buy a bad deal. There's always a good deal around the corner. Yeah. Great advice. Jimmy, are you ready for the best ever lightning round? Yes. All right, Jimmy, what's the best ever book you recently read? Most recently, and I might've said this last time, but Who Not How has been really, really important for me. I kind of grew up in the early stages of my career as a solopreneur, but then realized I built myself a job. How am I going to do all of these things? And then a mentor of mine recommended it and I read it and it just exploded my brain. If you want to build this team, I don't have to build the team. I can bring someone in that can build that team that's built teams before. So that was a super powerful book, Who Not How by Daniel Sullivan. Yeah, great book. Yeah. Jimmy, what's the best ever way you like to give back? It's kind of selfish, but I've really enjoyed helping. I make money too, but going back to the housing flip thing, and that has been really, really, really rewarding for me. My five-year plan is when I reach a certain level, I've got one of those big checks I want to write, and I'm going to write a big giant check to a charity. I haven't figured out which one yet, but that's on my vision board. Awesome. And Jimmy, how can the best ever listeners reach out to you? Yeah, our website, it's high five multifamily spelled out H-I-G-H-F-I-V-E multifamily.com. There's a little bit about us on there, some of the stuff we've done and reach out. There's a little contact thing there. Boom, hit us up. Get in touch. Jimmy, thank you for taking the time. 15 years in this business, coming from single families, going to multifamily, learning some hard lessons along the way. So thanks for sharing all of that today with us. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Best ever listeners. Thank you so much for joining us. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a five-star review. Share this podcast with someone you think can benefit from it. Also, follow, subscribe, and have a best ever day. Hi, best ever listeners. Joe Fairless here again. And one last thing before you go, would you like to receive a short weekly email with proven tips from experienced investors, free tools and resources, and a roundup of the week's most relevant news and best ever content? Well, if so, join the community of nearly 15,000 commercial real estate passive and active investors who receive the best ever newsletter just go to bestevercre.com forward slash access and you'll get the very next one. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And as always, thank you for listening and have a best ever day.